Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So Psalm 110 can be found on page 613 of the Church Bible, 613. Of David, a psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, for Claire, for reading. Um, as Johnny mentioned, my name's Justin, if we haven't met, and it's lovely to be back with you again this morning after a refreshing holiday in Cornwall, which is quite summery, but I, th- I see from the weather that we've had this weekend, I should have maybe just stayed in Sheffield um, and not bothered driving eight hours or ten hours down there. Well, let's settle our hearts this morning and come to the Lord again in prayer as we come to his word. Father, thank you for your word to us about your awesome Son, Christ Jesus, who rules over all things. Thank you that in him we can find safety and protection and forgiveness. Please help us this morning to be amazed by him, to be drawn to him and find shelter in him. And we ask this in his name and for his sake. Amen. Well, who will be your hero this year? Who will be your hero this year? Whose picture would you put up on your wall? Or you would have as your desktop background? Or your phone screensaver? You might think that that question sounds a little bit childish. Who will be your hero? So let me ask the question differently. Who or what are you going to side with this year? Will it be Leeds United? I'm still getting my head around the football, okay? So, or Sheffield United, I don't know. Um, but maybe it's not a team or a player, but maybe it's an activist or a politician or a movement or a society that you're part of. Maybe it's someone who's close to you, someone who's always come through. Maybe it's not a person at all, but a hobby, something that offers you relief or a job that you have or are starting because it offers you some protection or it's treatment that will bring stability 
or a cure. Now, please don't mishear me. Sports and friends and family and hobbies and health and love and friendships are good things, and they are good gifts from the Lord. But I ask these questions because the hero that we think we need, on the one hand, reveals what we think our biggest problem is, but on the other hand, also reveals what's most important to us. Will Jesus be your hero this year? Will you side with him? You might be thinking that's an odd question because here we are sitting in a church. And I'm assuming many of us would say that we are Christians. But as we approach the end of summer, we'll be starting the year at different places. As a Christian, you might have had a great summer and feel really encouraged and glad that you know the Lord and want to serve him this year. Maybe you're coming back as a Christian or you're beginning this year, not so sure. You're not so sure if you're actually on the right side. Should you be on Jesus' side? Or maybe you're coming along for the first time. You've been coming for a few Sundays over the summer. Or maybe this is your first Sunday. Well, it's lovely to have you. And you're coming because you want to find out more about who this Jesus is and what he is like and why people follow him, whatever that means. Well, the point of this psalm and my prayer and my hope for us this morning is that we would be in awe of Jesus, that we would see how great he is and that we would want to be on his side. That's going to mean something different for each of us this morning and this year as we look ahead. And we're going to look at this Psalm under two points, the great king and the forever priest. So firstly, let's look at our first point, the great king. Do keep your Bibles open there at Psalm 110. Um, I'm also going to be jumping ahead to Hebrews in the New Testament later, but we can just stay with our noses in Psalm 110. The great king. Well, this psalm is predominantly a picture of a great king, God's king. But it's not a picture like an old dusty oil painting of a gray-haired monarch who's looking a bit bored and weathered, sitting on the wall, holding a weasel or a cat or some other odd animal dressed in long robes. Now, when you come to this psalm, you've got to think about Marvel superhero movie poster. That's what you've got to be thinking about. That's the picture that we have here. Marvel superhero movie poster. When you see a poster for a movie that's of a great hero, it grabs your attention and you want to go and watch the movie. And if the movie's done a good job, you want to be on their side. Well, let's have a look at the psalm a bit more closely. The overall picture is of a king who wins. And no wonder, because he and God are on the same side. And we see this both at the start and at the end of the psalm. In verse 1, God promises to ensure victory to this king over his enemies. And in verse 5 and 7, on the day of battle, he will defeat his enemies. And he stops, do you notice at the end of Psalm in verse 7, to have a drink. And he lifts his head and he sees that he has won. He will win. But the individual pictures in the psalm also are like snapshots of the movie, of key points that show us how great this king is. 
in verse 1, it's a picture of his coronation. And there we see that he is human and more. He's a man, but he sits on God's throne. And so even King David, the greatest human king of Israel's history, has to say about this king that he is his king. That's what's happening here where David writes that the Lord said to my Lord. David is saying that Israel's God said to this greater king, David's king, that he must sit on God's throne. In verse 2, we see that this king's rule is unstoppable. His rule grows and extends because of God's own message that this king is ruling. The Lord will extend your scepter, saying, rule. This king is so strong that he can even rule when his enemies are around him. Nothing will make him quiver in his boots. Nothing will frighten him. Nothing will scare him. And nothing will topple him. In verse 3, he's leading a willing, holy, and glorious army. It's a picture of an army on a battlefield at dawn. And as the sun rises, it catches the armor, and there's this explosion of light. You think of a field when the sun rises, and the dew on the field glistens under the sunlight. That's the picture that we have here. And the clothes and the armor that sparkle of these warriors, well, it's their holiness. How good and perfect and pure they are. See, this is a king to be in awe of. This is a king who is cool, who is awesome, who is just, who is good. This is a king to be excited about, a real hero. This is a king whose side you want to be on. But he's also a king whose side we need to be on. To understand the psalm, we need to see that it answers another psalm in the Psalter, Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is where we began this series this summer, and it introduces us to the book of Psalms by showing us that God will have a king who will defeat his enemies. Psalm 2 shows us that there are only two sides to human history. On the one side, well, there is God and his king, and on the other side is everyone else. You see, we're not on his side. Psalm 2 shows us that we are not on the side of the king. We're not on God's side and we're not on his king's side because we have a God complex. We have a God complex. Whether we're antagonistic to this king or just apathetic, what's really at the heart of our problem is that we all want to be in charge. We want to call the shots. We want to decide what is good and bad for us, what is right and wrong. And even if we don't want this king, we pick another hero who we think will meet our need. Being on God's side means being under his, the rule of his king. And Psalm 2 shows us that no one wants that. But Psalm 2 also warns us that the only way to be safe from this king is to switch sides to be on his side. And what's surprising about Psalm 110 is that there are two sides. There are this king's enemies, and there are those who are part of his great army, those who have joined his side. 
Well, we need to see that Jesus is this great king of Psalm 110. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, Peter quotes from this psalm. And his point is that Jesus, a man, is this great king because you see he is human, but he is more than human. He died and he rose to life. And then he ascended to sit on God's throne. And he is ruling from heaven now with all of God's power and authority. He is greater than anyone else. And he will win because he is the son of God. And his kingdom is growing through God's message of his rule. That he is the king. It's what Mark tells us in Mark chapter 1 verse 1. The good news about Jesus, the Messiah, or the Christ, or the King, the Son of God. We'll be hearing more about Jesus, the King, from Mark's Gospel through the autumn term. And if that strikes you of interest, do come along. Do come and hear more about this King and how great He is. It's a great opportunity. But Jesus is also the King who has made His people holy. They serve Him willingly. That word for willing in verse 3, where it says, your troops will be willing, it's talking about a free will offering. It's temple language. Language where someone gives something to God to say thank you for what he's done for them. And it's an idea that Paul picks up in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You see, these people who are on his side this army, they serve him willingly in obedience to him. And there will be a day when Jesus will return and he will defeat his enemies. He will defeat death and the devil and all evil and all of those who have rejected his rule over their lives. But you notice the problem How does anyone switch sides? Is it out of fear? Or what if we change our minds because we know we have a God complex? We don't want him to rule over us. Or what if he changes his mind? How do we find safety from the king that we're all against? This is the question that the people asked Peter when he spoke to them of this great king, Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, we can find safety in him if we come to him for the forgiveness of our sins. Because secondly, he is the forever priest. He is the forever priest. See, on this hero poster of the psalm, there's another picture that doesn't seem to quite fit. We see this king dressed in white robes and he is dripping with blood. And the robe is stained with blood. And the picture is there in verse 4. It's where God promises this king, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is not a character that you hear much of in the New Testament, but you will hear of him predominantly in Hebrews. And he's an enigmatic figure from Genesis chapter 14. And he comes along to help Abraham in a battle against kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And we're told in Genesis 14, verse 18, that Melchizedek was king of Salem, later to be Jerusalem, and he was priest of God Most High. You see, this person, Melchizedek, was king and priest of the one true God, Abraham's God, David's God, Yahweh, the Lord of Israel. And the job of the priest was to bring peace between God and people. So we're told in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2, that Melchizedek, his name means king of righteousness. And he was the king of peace. Jesus also is a king of righteousness who brings peace between us and God. See, Psalm 2 showed us that we are against him. And here in Psalm 110, he will defeat those who are against him. We need peace with God. We need peace with God. And a priest brings peace through a sacrifice. Blood is spilled. An animal dies in our place, not God's. That's what the sacrificial system of the Old Testament pointed to. And the sacrifice is meant to end the battle. It's meant to be enough. But Israel's sacrifices weren't enough. You see, they had to keep offering them. And their priests weren't enough because eventually they died. And so God promises that this great king will also be a great priest forever. We saw earlier in verse 1 that this psalm, or verse 1, sorry, is quoted in Acts chapter 2 by Peter to show us that when Jesus went to assume his authority and God's power and his kingdom, he sat down on God's throne. But verse 1 is also quoted somewhere else in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Sorry, not quoted, but referred to quite directly. And there it says, But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, as a priest, the sacrifice that Jesus offered to end the battle wasn't an animal. It was himself. He offered himself as a sacrifice and died once to bring peace between us and God and make us holy and set us apart so that we could be on his side. We can join his side, not because we must, not out of fear, but because we're able to and because we want to, because he lovingly died in our place. And you can join his side if you trust that his death was enough for you. It was enough to bring forgiveness so that you could live under his rule. See, when Jesus sits down in Hebrews chapter 7, or chapter 10, he sits down because his work is done. The sacrifice he offered is enough. But Jesus is also a better priest because he is a priest forever. That is, he continues in his priesthood. And so in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, we're told that Melchizedek was without father or mother or without genealogy, without beginning 
of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God. And because Jesus rose and is now seated with God, we're told in chapter 7, verse 24, that he lives forever and he has his, his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Maybe you're a Christian and you're feeling, as I said, just a bit less sure of Jesus at the end of the summer. Because over the holidays you've gone back to the same sin that you struggle with. Or you've been hurt again by another Christian. And Christians don't seem so holy. Or Jesus just doesn't seem so in control or in charge. Or that he is going to win. And you wonder if Jesus is the right king to side with. But because he is a priest forever, he's not going to change his mind about us and whether we should be on his side or not, or about what he's done. You see, even if we sin, he's finished his work, and he's not going to change his mind about this completed sacrifice that he's made for us. He will make us and all of us his holy people. But there's one last thing I'd like us to understand about why Jesus is also such a great priest that Hebrews picks up. And it's because he is able to empathize with us in our weakness. See, it's true that he is more than a man. He is God himself, the Son of God. But he is a man. And it is a good thing that Jesus is a man because in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2, we're told this pre- a, a human priest is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. And in verse 5, we see that even though Jesus is a man, sorry, even though he is God and he is a man, and even though he is without sin, During his life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. He knows what it means to be weak and fragile and scared of death. Perhaps you're not sure about Jesus because something's come along over the summer that's just really unsettled life for you. A diagnosis or prognosis, a medical condition that has you thought disappeared, but come back again. Or some other struggle that you're facing. Jesus is not just a great king who rules and will win, but he is able to know us, to deal deal gently with us, to empathize with us, to understand us, and who is kind. And so we can come to him for mercy. And so as we end, let me ask that question we began with. Will Jesus be your hero this year? There is no one better to side with and to serve. And maybe to help you remember, you could print out this psalm and hang this psalm on your wall this year or put it on your laptop background or as your phone screensaver to remind you of the great picture of who this king is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great son, our Lord and our Savior. 
Please will you help us to turn to him and find safety in him. We pray this in his name. Amen.